We are working our way through our sermon series called The Cast of the Crucifixion. Um, and we've looked at a few different people so far. Can you remember who we've looked at? We've looked at... No, you can't, can you? <laughs> Herod? Which one? Yes, nice one. That's good. There were seven Herods, and we looked at Herod Antipas. There were many other Herods. You can be nosy at. That wasn't the one that was eaten by worms. That's the exciting Herod. We didn't talk about him. Um, we, last week, Jim talked about Nicodemus. And if you've missed those, you can catch up. I think that's all so far, isn't it? I should know. I think that's all of them so far. Jim did a good job last week. We had lots of well done, Jim. So if you missed it, do tune in. All our sermons are online on our website or your favorite podcast provider. Uh, you can catch up with that. Um, so I've got big shoes to fill. I'm glad that Jim is Jim here this morning. Oh, dear. <laughs> Over to you, Jim. Up you come. Yeah. <laughs> right, so no pressure. Um, but we are looking at Mary, and we're going to read from Mark 15, 37. You might have one of our snazzy new church Bibles. You might have your own. It will be on the screen behind you. But we'd always encourage you to have a paper Bible. It enables you to see the context a bit better. If you haven't got one, take one home with you. You can have it for free. The vicar says take a Bible. It's fine. Please do. Mark 15. Um, we'll start at verse 37. We'll, walk, we'll work our way through. We'll get to chapter 16, and we'll carry on a bit as well. You might think, why are we reading about Easter? All will become clear. Mark 15, 37. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother, the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph, and of Salome. And in Galilee, these women had followed him, cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up to see him in Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, and that's the day before the Sabbath. So as the evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Jewish council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear he had already died. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in the tomb, cut out of rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. On to chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other who was going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him, just as you told him. 
Let's pray, shall we, before we dive into this reading together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the grave couldn't hold you as we just sung. Death couldn't keep you. You're the conquering king and you're here by your spirit. So please, we want to know more about you this morning. We want to be drawn into your likeness by the power of your spirit. So teach us about you today through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we begin with the question that we asked about Herod. For Herod, we asked, which Herod? For Mary, the question is, which Mary? We've got lots of Marys in the, this, in the Gospels. We've got Mary, the mother of Jesus, the famous one. We can see her in Luke 1.26 and Matthew 1.25. We've got Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. That's the Mary that was at Jesus' feet while Martha was doing all the dishes, Luke 10.38. We've got Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and the wife of Clopas. Mark 15, 40, Matthew 26, 56. We've got a few more. We've got Mary, the mother of John Mark, and she springs up in Acts 12, 12. And, for, and we've got Mary, the member of the church in Rome, in Romans 16, 8. Which of those Marys are we looking at? None of them. Well done. You got my trick. None of them. We're looking at Mary Magdalene. Arguably one of the most famous Marys. I mean, she's probably just been pipped to the post by Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let's give Mary, the mother of Jesus, her due. But, but Mary Magdalene is up there on a podium finish, I would suggest, with, with the Marys. If you've read da Vin the Da Vinci Code and all that stuff, you or seen the films, you might think we know some stuff about Mary Magdalene. We might think there's some weird stuff out there about Mary Magdalene that the, the Roman church are trying to keep secret. What a load of rubbish. We might think that she was married to Jesus, but that's not true. We might think that she had Jesus' children, but that's definitely not true. Um, it's a good book, The Da Vinci Code. It's a good bit of fiction, but that's what it is. Um, it's not based on any historical documents or anything like that. So what do we know about Mary Magdalene? Well, we know that she was a Jewish woman from the fishing town of Magdala, hence her name. That's on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. We know that she was afflicted by seven demons. We don't know how that happened. Demons get in by a stronghold. So she'd clearly made some silly choices in her previous life, maybe dealt a bad hand and made some wrong choices. But she was afflicted or demonized, as we might say in the original languages, by these demons that Jesus went and sorted out. Some people would say that she was a sex worker. We, we can't see that in Scripture. People think that because before Mary Magdalene pops up, there's a story of a woman of ill repute, wink, wink, who goes and anoints Jesus' body with Jesus' feet with perfume. And then the next chapter, literally the next chapter, Mary Magdalene springs up. So some people say, oh, that woman must have been Mary Magdalene. Well, if it was, wouldn't they have said, this is Mary Magdalene? So, so she might have been um, a, a sex worker, but actually, we can't read that from Scripture. And I, I, I don't think that's... I think if she was, they'd have made something of that to, to make her testimony um, even more dramatic than it actually is. So, so we can't say that for certain. But we do know she's afflicted by seven demons, and so we, we can only imagine what her life was like. She must have been guilt-ridden. She must have been shame-filled. She must have been undignified until she met Jesus. We read this in Luke 8. 
uh, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven, seven demons had come out. Mary meets Jesus, and her life is never the same again. And we don't know what that first meeting was like. We don't know if, <clears throat> if Mary kind of snuck in to see Jesus and sat at the back. I don't know what the first time was that you came to church. If you're fairly newish to church, I don't know if you snuck in, tried to avoid the welcome team at the front, and sat down and thought, please no one talk to me, please no one talk to me. We're not very good at not talking to people here at St. Thomas's, but, but, but some people understandably are like that. They want to sneak in, sit at the back, sometimes because there's a sense of shame. We're not good enough to be here. Well, in some ways, that's true. None of us are good enough to be here, right? But it's all about Jesus. But I wonder what Mary Magdalene was like the first time she snuck into the presence of Jesus. Was it a a slow sneaking in? Was it a dramatic, what have you got to do with me then, Jesus? And Jesus sorted her out there and then. We don't know what it was like. What we do know is that when she met Jesus, life was never the same again. And for many of us, I know your stories, and that's our testimony, isn't it? That when we meet with Jesus, when we meet with the King, life is never the same again. So she becomes a disciple. She becomes a follower of Jesus. She supports him financially, so she was clearly quite quite well off. She had a lot to she had resources to support him. She walked with him. She learned the trade of being a Jesus follower. Let's remember that Jesus had more than 12 disciples. He might have had a kind of motley inner crew of 12, but there were loads of other people that walked around with him, hearing the gospel, learning that the trade. I read a really interesting article years ago that, that suggested that the word disciple couldn't in that context be given to a woman, not because of any sexist reason, but just the job, the word disciple was a kind of word for male follower. A bit like a woman can't be a policeman, there'd be a police officer, a, a bit like that. And so actually, the, the work of a disciple following Jesus, learning about him, doing what he did, the women did that too. And in fact, we see later on, they did it a bit better than the men who scarped and run away. They were the ones that stayed at the feet of Jesus. Mary follows him to the end. We read that in our reading, didn't we, in Matthew 27 today. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed, sorry, from Mark. Many women were there watching from a distance. They'd followed Jesus to care for his needs. They stayed with Jesus. They stayed at the foot of the cross. When all the men had fled, the 12 disciples, the inner crew, they'd run away. Mary and her friends stayed. They remained at his feet. They abided at his side. She saw his body taken down from the cross. She sees it laid in the tomb. She remembers the path in pitch black. She can go back later and find it. The men turn up, look in, and leave. Mary stays at the tomb. There's something about the tomb. She stays there long enough to encounter the angel. And John's gospel tells us this story. They ask, the angels ask her why she's crying, and Mary says this, they've taken away my Lord. They haven't taken away Jesus. They haven't taken away the Lord. They've taken away, says Mary, my Lord. Mary Magdalene was close enough to Jesus to tell an angel, Jesus is mine. He's my Lord. And when another man rocks up who she thinks is the gardener, he asks the same question. 
She says, please help me find his body. And then beautifully, with, with a smile that must have lit, lit up the garden, the gardener replies with one word, Mary. And in that one word in John's Gospel that the gardener speaks, Mary realizes this isn't the gardener. She recognizes that voice. Of course she does. The same voice that cast the demons out of her. The same voice that stilled the storm. The same voice that she heard teaching and laughing and giggling and rebuking the holy people. That same voice that she must recognize so well comes out of the gardener's lips. Mary. She hears her name. The same voice that croaked on the cross, it is finished speaks the name Mary. What a story. That same voice calls your name this morning. Wow. Getting a bit goosebumpy. What an amazing truth. God calls your name. And as I reflected on that, I thought with Hollywood that there is something about Mary. See the little link there? The film, by the way, has nothing to do with... with um, with, with the Bible story. Um, but there is something about her, and I think that she reflects the values that we have here at St. Thomas's really well. We've discerned as a church that we want to be a church that's gathering, we're growing, and we're going, and we're doing that all for Jesus. That's the kind of journey we've been on in the last year, trying to work out what that looks like. And what we see threaded throughout Mary's story is that's something that she does. She valued gathering. So we don't know what the first meeting was like with Jesus. Were there lots of people there when she met with Jesus for the first time? Was it a one-on-one -on -one chance, chance encounter? We don't know. But from that time on, she was part of the Jesus crew. She gathered for the word, she gathered for worship, and she gathered for ministry. Despite her mistakes, despite the, the stuff she'd done in the past, despite the temptations that no doubt still pulled her, she was a person who valued gathering with, with the Jesus followers that were with her. She, she didn't need to do that. She could have just had her life sorted out by Jesus and then disappeared. We see in Scripture there are people that do that. You might know people in your life that you prayed for, they've had an encounter with Jesus, and then they go, thanks, and you never see them again. You think, how can you taste the kingdom and not want to know more of it? Who knows? But, but Mary valued gathering. She kept on keeping on gathering with God's people. This morning, if you feel that you're sat here and you're not good enough, if you feel that you're sat here surrounded by all these holy people and you're here, if you feel that you're sat here and everyone must think, what a fraud, why are you here? Two things. First of all, you're in good company. We probably all think that. Secondly, Mary would have thought that. And actually, thirdly, that's a lie from the enemy, and it's not true. God doesn't say that about you. What does God do? He calls your name. He says he's so pleased to see you here this morning, coming to worship, coming together. Even if you've dragged yourself in here, even if you're honest, you didn't really want to come to church this morning because you've got better things to do, or you don't like this, or you don't like that. We can be honest, right? Sometimes we're like that. Really? Okay, I need to do it. Even if we come like that through gritted teeth, God is pleased to see you, and he calls your name. Mary continued gathering with Jesus and his people. And then years later, as her Lord is arrested and crucified, she continues to gather, not in the temple, not in someone's house. She gathers at the foot of the cross. When all the men have scarpered, she gathers with her friends at the foot, the feet of Jesus. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a dark time, when I'm feeling that God isn't doing what he should do, sometimes the last thing I want to do is gather with a bunch of happy Christians. I just want to 
I don't know, put on some emo music <laughs> and drive around loudly shouting at the world. Yeah, maybe I'm the only one, but, but when you're in that place of life being really tough and you thinking that God isn't doing what he should be doing, the last thing we want to do sometimes is come and pray and come to church, but, but actually that's the first thing that we should be doing. And Mary models it for us. I'm sure Mary wasn't filled with joy when she saw Jesus dying on the cross. I'm sure she was confused. She'd have probably been angry with him. Jesus, I know you can do something about it. What are you doing? But she faithfully remains. She continues to gather with Jesus and his people. When all around seems despair and worrying, the best place for us to be is gathering with God's people. So well done, those of us that faithfully come week on week or whenever we come because of life. There's something about keeping on, keeping on. That's a spiritual discipline, I think, that we, we don't appreciate. Just putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. There's something about that. But of course, there's, a, there's another place that Mary gathers. She gathers at the foot of the cross, but she also gathers at the empty tomb. She keeps on gathering. She sees the empty tomb. She sees the stone rolled away. I wonder if something inside her goes, oh, something's happened here. Why is the stone rolled away? Who did that? I wonder how faithful we are to prioritize gathering with God's people. So Mary valued gathering. The second thing she valued is growing. That's something we value here, growing in love, uh, growing in depth of our teaching and our knowledge of God, growing younger as well. We want to be a church that's, that's doing all those things. But particularly growing in our depth of our love for God and our knowledge of Him. We've already said it's been really easy for her to say, thanks Jesus for sorting me out. I'm going to go back to my business now because I'm actually doing quite well for myself. I've got all these resources. She must have a bit of money. She could support Jesus' ministry. So I'm, done, I'm doing really well. I'm just going to go back. Thanks for sorting me out. But actually, she values continually to grow in her knowledge and love of God. I mean, she could have popped back to the temple once a week, couldn't she? That would have been okay. Hi, Jesus. I'm still here. I filled in a welcome card. Thanks. See you next week. But there's something about her walk with Jesus that she wants to continue growing, her daily discipleship. She walked with Jesus throughout his ministry. She must have grown in her depth of theological knowledge. It was, it was un, unheard of for a woman to be taught by a rabbi. That was not done in the Jewish culture at all. And yet she's here faithfully following Jesus who is teaching her. She saw the following grow in number. She grew in her depth of love for Jesus. She grew in her desire to be faithful to him. And I think there's no uh, surprise here that that maybe is what kept her at the foot of the cross because she'd had that grounding in Scripture, that grounding in knowledge of who Jesus is, that when the going gets tough, she stayed there with him because she knew that it, he would come through in the end. I wonder if we have a similar yearning to grow in our depth of love for God. Julie challenged us, challenged us last week to install the Lectio 365 app. And I did. And it's really good. <laughs> I've been plugging it for a few weeks without using it because I know how good it is. Other people have told me this. But I, I tried to leave my phone away from my quiet time because I get a bit distracted by TikTok and Facebook. But I thought I can do it. And most of the time I have done it. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's a great thing to remind us each day to spend time with Jesus, not just an hour or so on a Sunday? Do we have a depth of desire to make our discipleship more than just a one-off thing? Do we want to have Mary's sense of following Jesus day by day, walking in his footprints? Finally, Mary was one to go. So she gathered, 
She grew in her depth, and finally she was one that valued going. John 20 continues telling us the story of, of Mary meeting the angel. And we read this. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, Mary. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them everything. After encountering Jesus, she wanted to cling to him. Jesus said, go, go and tell the good news. And here at St. T's, that's what we want to be, right? We want to be a people who, after encountering Jesus, after gathering on a Sunday, we hopefully do a bit of growing in our discipleship and our fellowship, we then go to tell people of Jesus. Mary was the first to see the risen Lord, the first evangelist. Some would argue the first apostle sent with good news. I have seen the Lord. Imagine you're at the bus stop or the shop or whatever this afternoon and someone, you vaguely know, your neighbor pops up, oh, what did you do this morning? Would you say, I have seen the Lord? That would be a conversation starter, wouldn't it? I probably wouldn't. I'd wimp out. I'd, oh, I went to work. <laughs> oh, what did you do? Oh, I'll go to church. What? Pardon? Go to church. Oh, you go to church. Great, you know. But actually, can you imagine saying, I have seen the Lord? Wow. There's a challenge. I, I, I would love, go on, give it a go this week. I'll give it a go, if one of you will, and we can compare notes of how well it went and if our neighbours are still talking to us. I have seen the Lord. And so, friends, this morning with Mary, as we come into land, she valued gathering, growing, and going. And on your sermon outline sheet at the bottom of that page, there were a few questions to help us think about, I wonder what aspects of those three things are challenging us most. Is it gathering as God's people? Sunday mornings aren't always easy for us. That's okay. There's midweek things as well. We do three prayer mornings a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9.15. Maybe you think, you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to set my alarm and try and come to one a week. I'm going to try and value gathering. Maybe there's a sense of growing. You think, you know what? I want to get deeper in my relationship with Jesus. Or maybe actually the idea of going out in some way, telling people about Jesus, something that makes you go, that's exciting me today. So we're going to have a moment of quiet, and then we're going to sing a few songs. And during the singing of those songs, we're going to allow the Lord to say what he wants to say to us. So let's just be still as we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. give the Lord time to speak to each one of us, speak to our hearts. I wonder what the Lord has said to you this morning, and then the challenge is what do we do about it? What do we do when we are scared? We say the words. 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. I never told anyone this before, but the day I met Jesus was the same day I was ready to end my life. What? And that caught my eye, and it led me to the place where I met Jesus. That's not real. Lily, are you okay? He said. Mary of Magdala, you are mine. I am redeemed. Things are better now. <laughs> if I ascend to heaven, you are. If I make my bed in the... The sight of him, I just dropped my basket and ran. <laughs> totally ignored the prayers in my hands. I'm doing everything I can day after day, and I, I'm afraid I'm still broken. I worry I will never be enough. We have to go back. No, I can't. He already fixed me once. I can't face him. You redeemed me, and I just threw it all away. I just want your heart. When we are pulled out of our blindness, we're invited into redemption. I'm just so sorry. I forgive you. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Maybe for some of us this morning, that, that's where we are. We feel that we're letting the Lord down again and again and again. And if that's you, we're going to say a really short prayer. Uh, I'd invite you to say this in your heart. It's like a prayer of recommitment. There's no condemnation for those of us in Jesus, remember. It's not the Lord beating us with a stick. It's just a gentle, come back to me. I love you. I know what you've done. Fear not, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. That sense of God in the garden, the king of all, the ancient of days, the, the nails that, that created the universe, nailed to the cross, reaching to Mary. Mary. And the same hands reaching to you this morning, even now as we gather. So let's be still. And if there's a sense of us this morning, of you wanting to make that recommitment to the Lord, I'd invite you just to say these words in your heart after me. You might want to put your hands out in front of you as a physical response. No one's looking. It's just between you and the Lord. If that makes me feel weird. You don't have to. Lord, our prayer is that we might fear not, for you have redeemed us and called us by name. So, Lord, I'm sorry for the times in the past I've let you down. I'm sorry for the times I've prayed this prayer and then gone back and then prayed this prayer and gone back again. But, Lord, I'm here this morning for you. Like Mary Magdalene, I feel broken and empty. And I know that only you can fill me, so please come. Thank you that you love me. And Lord, this morning we pray for anyone that has said that prayer or sensed that in their spirit. Lord God, that even now you'd fill them with your spirit, that they would hear you call them by name. 
that they would be filled with your joy and your love and your peace and your freedom. We're going to continue to sing now. So 